Welcome to The Commentary, a weekly conversation about vision, worship, and life at Grace Presbyterian Church. I'm Mark Bertrand, the pastor of Grace. And I'm Cameron Brooks, your fellow commenter. This episode will drop on Friday, December 1st, which means that this upcoming Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent. We've done an episode about Advent on the commentary before Pastor Mark. It's been a while, and I want to return to the topic, but from a different angle. If I remember correctly, last time we talked about Advent, we talked about it as a season of longing. That's something that I know I've heard you say before from the pulpit, and it's a rich way to think about Advent. But I also want to approach it from a new angle this time, specifically as a season of expectation in a different way. So we'll, we'll unpack that as we go. But um, that's where I'm hoping we can start today. Okay, well, I think those are fighting words because <laughs> season of longing is so deeply ingrained in me. And I think part of the reason why is just because at Grace, we talk about longing a lot, right? We talk yeah. about longing for more grace, more depth, and more community. And so being able to connect our longings for Christ that are expressed in those ways with the longings that are built into the church calendar. Uh, to me, you know, I'm always looking for opportunities to do that, but I am intrigued. So I want to hear more about like, what would the difference be between yeah. longing and expectation? Yeah. Well, we'll get to expectation, but first maybe as a recap, can we talk about yeah. what we mean when we say, Advent is a season of longing. The The first thing that comes to mind for me is the way during these four weeks of Advent, for our, our closing song at church, we play one verse of Como Come Emmanuel at a time. We start with one and then one and two and so forth. Until at the very end, we play the whole song on maybe on Christmas Eve for lessons and carols, we'll play the, the entire hymn. And that at first confused me. I remember when we were, when we were joining grace, but then I started to get it. Oh, it's about a kind of longing. We're trying to embody and anticipate the, you know, the coming of Christ, but we're not going to get there right away. There's a, there's a bit of waiting, right? Right. I mean, I, I guess I would see the parallel with the, the way that the season of Lent replicates or alludes to the wilderness wanderings. Lent, you said? Yes. Okay. So in the same way that Lent is a picture for us or a taste of the wilderness wandering, Advent gives us a taste of the longing for the Messiah, right? That, that generation after generation, there's this question that is being posed by the people of God. We've been promised a king. We've been promised he would come. Where is he? And O Come, O Come, Emmanuel captures, mm -hmm. I think, the, the, let's say, the patient and maybe sometimes impatient longing for the fulfillment of that promise, right? So when we celebrate the birth of Christ, we're celebrating his first advent, his first coming, and this season leading up to that, I think, really puts us in touch with the messianic longings of the people of God before Christ came. 
And so when we talk about Advent as a season of longing, that's the kind of longing we have in mind, that the longing for the fulfillments, the longing for the good thing that's been promised to finally appear. I mean, I'm all about that. I'm definitely not going to object to Advent as a season of longing. How do you think we can step into that or experience that in deeper ways during the four weeks of Advent beyond just the way we're thinking? Well, you know, it's a great question. And we in the past have talked about uh, Jonathan Gibson's uh, kind of prayer book, kind of devotional handbook, Be Thou My Vision. Mm -hmm. And that's something we've encouraged people at Grace to use. And it is something like if you go to Grace in the lobby of the church and the the Grace library that uh, is now there, there are copies of Be Thou My Vision. Well, Gibson has come out new this year with another volume called O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And this volume is focused specifically on that season of Advent to Epiphany that we're about to enter into and is a day-by-day devotional and prayer guide uh, leading us through that season. And so I'm looking forward to doing Advent through Epiphany using that as a, a guide kind of checking it out and seeing the ways in which it enriches that uh, devotional experience. And we also have uh, a number of copies of those in the Grace Library as well. So for people who are local to us, uh, part of our congregation, if you're hearing this and you're like, yes, Advent, I, I would like to to be more deliberate about that and and observe that season well, uh, grab one of these books the next time you are at church uh, this Sunday, first Sunday of Advent. It would be a great time to do it, yeah. and you'll be able to do that. Hmm. Well, I plan to do that. I'm looking forward to it for sure. Back to longing and expectation, though. So I read an article by a friend, actually, about Advent, and I got this idea from him. This is where the episode is coming from. So he was saying he was a little concerned with the way some pastors and theologians compare or they they turn Advent into another kind of Lent, almost like you were just saying. Okay, yeah. Because he thinks the the emphasis should not be on wilderness and wandering and and longing so much as a kind of hopeful and joyful expectation. And my friend wrote this, I believe, while his wife was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And it made him think about how, of course, at the beginning of the the gospel stories, we have pregnant women. <laughs> One, you know, Mary pregnant with Christ himself and Elizabeth with John. And how those images of those women waiting and longing to be sure, but expecting in a different sort of way. Those images, he believes, are are central to what Advent is encouraging us and inviting us into. So it's less about wandering and more about this kind of expectation mm-hmm. for the fulfillment. You mentioned that word earlier, fulfillment of, of the promise and the fulfillment of what God's already been doing. 
So I don't think they're necessarily in tension. He, he saw a little bit of tension there, but what do you think? Well, I mean, yeah, I can see where depending on the emphasis, you could feel attention, you know, and, and I think there is definitely a tendency for things to sort of bleed together, you know? And, mm. and so my guess is if, if you were to ask the average member of a church that, you know, observes the, the rhythms of the Christian calendar, what's the big difference between Advent and Lent? Uh, okay, well, it's the same thing. It's just after one season, you get Christmas, and after the other one, you get Easter. Yeah. You know, so right. so it's it's two sort of periods of waiting, and then something good happens at the end of them. So I, I do think there is a a sense in which it could be helpful to differentiate, mm-hmm. right? As you, as you, especially if you're trying to reflect on different aspects of, yeah. of the history of the church and different aspects of our own way of thinking about the, the covenant promises of God, mm-hmm. uh, there is a continuity, you know, and I, I think that the, the longing of the people who enter into the promised land and the longing of the people to receive their promised king have a lot in common. And in both cases, those are optimistic longings in some sense. I think expectation is probably part of both. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's probably also a sense of, of um, not negative longing, but, you know, not just the longing to or towards, but the longing to get away from as well, mm-hmm. right? Definitely, if you're doing wilderness wandering, you're longing to get out of the wilderness. Yeah. And if you are longing for the Messiah, you're longing to get out of this kingless mm-hmm. sort of, you know, lack of divine authority mm-hmm. in your world. And so, I don't know, like I I do see a lot of similarities, but I think it could be helpful to think of expectation as the theme of Advent and sort of the emphasis of Advent and longing in a different sense as the theme of Lent. But, But maybe what would make me happy is if we could call both of those things longing, big umbrella, and then say, you know, that under longing, we have two yeah. sort of times. We have expectation, and then we have this other thing. Yeah. And we just need a good name for the other thing <laughs> that applies to Lent. Yeah. Well, right, because Lent is more of a penitential, for lack of a better word, season, where we're, we're looking inward at our, our sins, repenting of them, turning. and And of course... Advent could be that too, but that doesn't necessarily seem to be the emphasis of the early gospel accounts. There's a kind of a amazement that God is acting now and fulfilling his promises now out of this, maybe it's a, out of a season of darkness. Now there's the light that's coming. Yeah. And well, if you think about, yeah, I mean, just calendar wise, right. That, that, um, the fundamental difference is, birth and death. Yeah. Right. That, that the, let's say the expectant longing of Advent has in view, like its climax is birth and birth of Christ. Whereas the 
other kind of longing of Lent has in view the death of Christ on the cross. And obviously the resurrection, but it's after Easter, like Mm -hmm. in the season of Easter, that we're focused on that new life that resurrection speaks to. And so I, I think, yeah, the penitential emphasis is helpful because as we contemplate the the death of Christ in Easter um, or in the crucifixion, it is for our sins that he dies. And so we're encouraged to reflect on our sinfulness, to turn from our sinfulness, and to see the fact that the cross is a gracious sacrifice for sinners and so that does give a different character to that waiting mm-hmm. than is it is it fair to say the simpler <laughs> anticipation of advent yeah. which has a lot in common with with you know the anticipation we feel at the birth of a child yeah you know any child right it all makes me think actually of the uh hot debates about when you can start listening to Christmas music. <laughs> Do you have any hard and fast rules? Do you listen oh, to Christmas music around um, the, around this time of year at I, all? Right. I feel like I shouldn't answer that because, you know, that's, that's like more divisive than answering <laughs> politics questions, at least around the holidays. Um, you know, I mean, I think people who know me won't be surprised as a, you know, small sh- shrivel-hearted, non-sentimental person for the most part that I don't ever spend a lot of time bathing in, in, you know, occasional music, you know, to get in the mood for the holiday or something. Um, You almost can't help it by proxy, Mm -hmm. you know, I I get exposed. But uh, I am definitely someone who doesn't get too worked up about you know, you're celebrating too early or you're, you're singing the wrong songs or, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're with uh, high churchmen, you know, there, there are certainly uh, all sorts of inside rules about like what, what words or terms can and cannot be used at different points in the oh. Christian calendar. And <laughs> so um, I tend not to be too focused on strictures yeah like that um although i do i kind of admire people who are right i I admire having that sort of knowledge uh i just don't have it myself i mean i remember the first time i was confronted by someone for wearing white after is it labor day (laughs) yeah and i was so astonished by by that that someone had made a rule about what colors you could wear at what time of the year and everything that um, I've never recovered from it entirely. And so I try not to be that guy, right. Right, Who's, who's saying, you know, you're, you're listening to the sonic equivalent of white uh, (laughs) after labor day. But having said that, I think where Advent is concerned, you're in a little bit of a different situation because it's not that people are, are like going too quickly to Christmas music and they're not spending enough time with Advent music. It's almost like forgotten, you know, like Advent is, is the sort of swallowed up season for us in, at least in, in the United States where we kind of go from, you know, Halloween to Thanksgiving to Christmas and they bleed together 
without a lot of space between them. And so you almost have to intentionally make time for Advents. And so in church, at least, we do try to be careful about not what we avoid, but what we consciously do, you know, so that, so that we try to do a lot of Advent music. And that sort of has the added benefit of pushing Christmas music back. Although for, for those of you listening who don't regularly attend our church or catch the live stream or something, when I say Christmas music, please don't imagine that uh, after December 25th, we start seeing, you know, here comes Santa or anything like that <laughs> right. in, uh, in our services. But, but there's a real emphasis prior to Christmas uh, on that sort of, let's, let's call them like songs of expectation and longing mm-hmm. that, that uh, we, we do want to spend some time with that. And they have a, like a, a, a beautiful kind of minor key beauty to them. They, they evoke um, feelings that I think are not, there's not another time in the church calendar that quite does the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, that, that I don't know that there's, there's a reason why these for me at least are the most beautiful songs that we sing throughout the year. Yeah. And, and I always look forward to it. Yeah, I agree. I think, in the bleak midwinter is maybe one of my favorite hymns ever. And we do it once a year. <laughs> right. I mean, I love come up, come Emmanuel, obviously mm-hmm. uh, the angel Gabriel yeah. voice. Love that ever since uh, sting did his version, of it, which was <laughs> the first version I ever heard. And it's um, not, not my preferred yeah. <laughs> rendition now, but you know, well, I bring up the, the uh, Christmas music rules because there does seem to be, well, I mean, I'm among the people who start listening to quote unquote Christmas music right after Thanksgiving, but you only give yourself those four weeks. Uh And then as soon as Christmas is over, you're done listening. And it's four intense weeks of like exclusive Christmas music. And of course by Christmas music, I mean all sorts of things, both secular and sacred and otherwise, but but I think you mean after Epiphany, it's all over, right? Because you're still celebrating the season of Christmas, which of course doesn't come until after <laughs> Christmas. Yeah. Day. Well, I mean, we should. We should. I'll, I'll tell my wife that we get yeah. another week or two. Christmas music proper. I think you want to confine to the twelve days of Christmas. Yep. Just yeah. Just to be, just to be the villain of your household. <laughs> I'll tell Jenny. <laughs> but anyway, the maybe the the one of the problems with that approach to celebration is that it's just all in for four weeks and it doesn't, it doesn't leave any nuance for observing. Like you were just saying the songs of Advent, which are slightly Mm -hmm. different than the songs of fulfillment of Christmas. And again, that's maybe like a secular slash sacred divide, but our lives are, you know, they're, they overlap like that. So I could definitely benefit from, some more longing and expectation in my own advent observations. Yeah. And, um, and I think, you know, have, having the structure of our services over the course of advent is a way to kind of help you have those things without having to be too much of a stickler, yeah, you know, exactly. about it. You know, this, this, 
this really helps because I think what what happens oftentimes is it all just kind of gets jumbled together, you know. And and I've had those conversations with people where you make it, uh, you distinguish between, you know, Advent songs and Christmas songs. And I'm like, I don't, I, I don't get what you're saying. Like, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, that's a Christmas song, you know. And you're like, well, technically. Okay. So I, you know, I think that that's. Uh, it sounds like a, a a fine point to be making, but once you've seen it, you really do appreciate that that season where the the that like cry, you know, come, O come, Emmanuel, is our song, and I think the reason for that is because Advent parallels like where we're at in redemptive history in a way that no other season does because. For the people of God today, longing for the second advent of Christ for his return, our song is still O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It's just looking at a different coming. And so, again, like there's a a complexity to this because in, in some sense, it's a season where we're looking backwards to things that happened in the days of Christ. And then in another sense, we're looking forward to you know, our expectation of his return. Thanks for listening to the commentary. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can rate us on your favorite podcast app and share episodes with your friends on social media. Whether you're feeling longing right now or expectation, you can subscribe to the commentary on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. To find out more about us online, visit graceforsufalls.org.